Glory to God. God is so faithful. Amen. He's so faithful. I thank the Lord for my family. I thank God that we're all in ministry together. All of us. All of us. I thank God for that. And um, I know that the Lord is faithful. And you're here, and if your family is not all here, He'll be faithful to you too. And He'll bring all of your family into the house of God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 11. I'm going to tell you something. God just spoke to me. <laughs> he spoke something to me this morning, last night. And um, I want to preach to you this morning on obedience. Obedience. It may not be what you expected, but I can tell you it's what you need. Because I cried out to God and I said, Lord, you have to give me a message. Because just as I sat in church for years in, in, in the congregation... I went to church and I would say, Lord, I need you to talk to me what I need. That was my heart's cry. And you know what? That pastor, Pastor Duke, Pastor Dennis, my dad, whoever was my pastor at the intervals in my life, always preached the word of God to me that I needed to hear. And today, if the first service is any indication that this is what God wants to speak to us. I can tell you, I, I, we open the altars and, and people just begin to pile in the altar. And uh, just God began to minister to them and touch them. And I know that, that He will do the same here this morning. He's talking to all of us. He's talking to every one of us. Don't say, I hope that the other person on the other side of the church hears that. No, He's talking to every one of us. He's talking to leaders. Amen. Leaders. We got leaders that need to be in the altar. Amen. Praise God. That's awfully quiet, but teachers, leaders, workers in the church. It isn't just for the person that just, just come in and needs God. We all need Him. And what I'm going to preach to you today, God is going to speak to every one of us. Thank you, Jesus. In Deuteronomy 11, verse Starting with verse 1, I want to pray, and then we'll get into the Word of God. Father, I thank you today for this great privilege to come and to be here, Lord. I, 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 I am so thankful, Lord, that you are an on-time God. You, you, you know exactly what you want to speak and exactly what the perfect prescription for the church is, Lord. And I just thank you today, Lord, for what you're doing, God, because it's beyond me. It's bigger than me. And Lord, I'm just grateful that I can be along for the ride and be a part of what you're doing, Lord. I don't care what you do. I just want to be there, Lord. And I'm just asking, Lord, your blessing upon this word that you would anoint these lips of clay and help me to speak what you would want me to say. And God, I'll give you all the glory and honor. In Jesus' most holy name today, I thank you and praise you. Amen and amen. Deuteronomy 11 says, Therefore, thou shalt love the Lord thy God, keep his charge and his statutes and his judgments and his commandments always. And know ye this day, for I speak not with your children, 
which have not known and which have not seen the chastisement of the Lord your God, His greatness, His mighty hand, His stretched out arm, and His miracles and His acts, which He did in the midst of Egypt unto Pharaoh the king, and of Egypt, and unto all his land, and what He did unto the army of Egypt, unto their horses, and to their chariots, how He made the water of the Red Sea to overflow them as they pursued after you, and how the, the Lord hath destroyed them unto this day." And what he did unto you in the wilderness until you came unto this place. And what he did unto Dathan and Abiram, the sons of Eliab, the son of Reuben, how the earth opened up her mouth and swallowed them up, and their households and their tents, and all the substance that was in their possession in the midst of all Israel. But your eyes, he said, have seen all the great acts of the Lord which he did. Therefore shall you keep all the commandments which I command you this day that you may be strong and go and possess the land whither you go to possess it and that you may prolong your days in the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers to give unto them and to their seed a land that floweth with milk and honey. Oh Lord Jesus help me to duplicate this thing. You know I just want to say to you today that it was last week somebody came up to me and they said, you know, Pastor, I'm praying for the church. I'm praying and I'm believing God because I, I know that you preach the word and I know that the spirit of the Lord is here, the presence of God, the convictions here. You preach everything that needs to be heard. But it seems like that people, when they cross the threshold and go outside of the church, it's seemingly like they forget or lose what was preached to them. In other words, they, they hear the word of God, but they're not doing the word of God. And it seemingly loses its powerful effect on us as we live our lives in disobedience to God's word and his commands. So the message today to you and I and to everyone is this. We need to be in obedience to God and his word. Obedience is the, is the, is the message in this hour, I can tell you, in the church. Because it was the obedient five virgins that had oil in their lamp. And they're the ones that made it when the bridegroom came. So we need to be obedient to God's word. Let me just encourage you of why we need a steady, consistent diet of the word of God because the word of God never returns back unto God void never are you hearing me it never returns back unto God void listen he begins a good work and he will be faithful to complete the mission of the work that he sets out to do and his word is a seed his word is a seed you know there have been times I've planted things in my garden and I pulled them up but it seems like that that seed is still there whether it's a weed or whether it's a flower there's been flowers that I planted that I honestly didn't want them to come back but two years later here they come back up again because the seed is there what I'm saying to you is the seed is sown and you may hear a message you know six months ago but that seed was sown in your life and it begins to come to fruition and powerfully be activated in your life and my life so just know this that when God 
speaks his word. It is a very powerful living word. And it's a seed of life. And it will not return void. But what comes out of his mouth will accomplish what he sets out to accomplish in you and me. Amen? He that has begun this good work will be faithful to complete it. You know, yesterday I was reading and the Lord told me, go over to Isaiah chapter 55. So I I went there and he told me to go to the book of Jude. And I went there and I was just reading and I couldn't come to a conclusion of the direction that God was taking me. But as I began to open up and go to Deuteronomy and study and read and put together a message, actually, if you want me to be truthfully honest with you, and I will because I'm not going to lie. I went looking in Isaiah for a message on Isaiah 55 because I was going to go there and I couldn't come to putting it together. And I pulled out an old message that I had preached probably 15 years ago out of Deuteronomy. And I thought, why is Deuteronomy's message in Isaiah's folder? God only knows. And he knew it needed to be preached today. And as I pulled that out, I put it all together by the will of God and by the power of God and by his grace. But getting back to this about how that the word of God will not return void. In Isaiah 55 verse 8 it says this. He said, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your are, are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain cometh down, and the snow from heaven, uh, and returneth not thither. In other words, it doesn't go back up, but God brings down things spiritually unto us, like the rain and the snow, and it comes upon the earth, and it doesn't return back up. But he said it waters the earth and maketh it bring forth and bud that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth it shall not return unto me void but it shall accomplish that which I please and it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I send it so God speaks his word unto us and there is a blessing a prospering in your life that will come and I'm talking about spiritual prosperity because he said I would above all things as you would prosper even as your soul prospers your soul needs to prosper before God can give you anything in a materialistic way if you are a material way a material thing you got to be able to handle the blessing of God Some people want the prosperity without the soul prosperity. They want the financial prosperity without the spiritual prosperity. And your soul has to prosper because if it doesn't, then whenever you get what you want, you won't be here anymore. We, oh hallelujah, that wasn't in the notes either. I don't know. God knows. But there's a powerful truth. His word has a powerful activating property about it. It never doesn't not work. God's word always works. Always works or or fulfills his purpose. It's like a fire. Everything that fire touches, it affects it. And there's nothing that's not affected by fire. Even a rock will get hot. It'll change from the temperature it is to what it's supposed to be 
until it melts. Gold, you know, will not burn up, but it will begin to be melted and everything that's impure will surface to the top so you can see and it's exposed what is not purity in that gold. Everything that fire touches, it affects. Everything that the Word of God ministers to or speaks to and it touches, it affects. So what does this have to do with obedience? Our text opens up with a command to love the Lord, to keep His charge. Verse 1 of of Deuteronomy 11. He said it right here in the Word of God. He gives a command, love the Lord, keep His charge, keep His statutes, keep His judgments, keep His commandments, always. Verse 7, He said, obey because of what you've seen. What God has done. That's what he said. But your eyes have seen all the great acts of the Lord, which he did. And he went all the way down the line. He said, from, from, from delivering you from Egyptian bondage, from delivering you from the army of Pharaoh, I completely obliterated them. We learned that during our, our breakthrough, how that he drowned that in that Red Sea. He said, remember what I did, the miracles in the wilderness. Remember the waters that came out of the rock remember the manna that came down from heaven and he said and don't forget this either those that were rebellious he said I swallowed them up because he said I want you to know that I'm also a God of judgment I'm a God of blessing but I'm also a God of judgment I'm a God that's balanced amen but reading all of this he said make sure that you obey God because of what you have seen the great acts of the Lord that you have seen because it's the testimony of God. It's We say, oh, I've got a testimony. You have a testimony because the one that is the testimony is living through you. Because of what God has done, you have a testimony. Because He is the one that empowered you to have a testimony. His power delivered you. His power set you free. His power caused you to repent. His power brought you to a new life in Jesus Christ. And so, you have a testimony because he is the one with the ultimate testimony and obedience means that he'll do it again what do you mean obedience when you obediently thank God for what he did he'll do it again we want to know why God doesn't do things why is my prayer not being answered did you thank him for what he did before Did you thank him for what he did miraculously before? Why would anybody give you anything if you don't thank him for what they already did? So it's a testimony. And he deserves the glory of that testimony in your life. Hallelujah. He said, be obedient for that reason. Be obedient. Tell the world that what God did, he can do again. He can do for them. In verse 8, he said, obey that you may be strong and possess a powerful promise and blessing. In verse 9, he said, and you... Obey because he will bring you into a land that you will not only be brought into, but you will stay there. God said, I'm a God who gives a power that will give you a perpetual strength to stay and remain. Are you here with me this morning? I will give you the power to walk in what I have called you to walk in. Obedience. As you come into that land, not only will I bring you in, some people get delivered, but they don't stay delivered. We got to stay delivered. 
Some people get saved and they need to stay in the house so that they remain in that salvation that God has done in their life. Come on now. He said, I will bring you in that land and I will prolong you in that land. You will perpetually stay there because I'm a God who empowers your choice to obey. You got to give me some volume, brother. I won't be able to talk. And you know what he said in verse 9? He said, you may prolong your days in the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers to give unto them and to their seed. You want your kids to live for God? You live for God. These people say, I just want to let them do whatever. I'm going to tell you something. If they're 18, they can do whatever they want to do. Well, not in my house, but as long as I'm paying the bills, you're going to go to church. Period. Amen. If you, if you don't want to serve God, I'm not going to cram it down your throat. Go on down the road for $2,500. They've got a one-bedroom apartment down here off of Central and Brea. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, I'll go, I'll go to Riverside. Okay, it's $2,200 there. But if you're going to live in my house, you're going to go to the house of God. Okay, but, but let's move that to the side for just a moment. As long as I live for God and I'm obedient unto the Lord, he said, your seed will follow you. Amen. That seed will follow you. People say, I don't know why my kids don't serve God. Sometimes they just backslide and you, you, you've raised them right. And I get that. But I can tell you there's some people, there's no question whatsoever why their kids aren't serving God. Because when they were growing up in the most important, you know, development years of their life, they did not raise them up in the admonition of the Lord. And so this is the fruit of what we get whenever we don't obey God. Can God turn it around? Absolutely He can. And thank God for His grace and mercy. But church, hear me. Listen, you're here today. You got little kids. You bring them to the house of God because give it 10 years if the Lord tarries. They'll be 15 and 16 and they'll come in with you and they'll go to church and they'll serve. They'll sing on the platform. They'll want to work in ministry as you begin to lead them. Come on now. Obedience, my dad said, is the highest form of spiritual life. Obedience. Oh my goodness. I can't believe how excited we can get over obedience. If we are to be people of prayer, we must obey God to pray. If we are to be people of the word, we must obey to study his word. If we are to be people that are disciples, we must obey the disciplines needed. I shared this morning, I've been reading and, 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 and studying on discipleship and being a disciple. And I, I got up this morning, my alarm went off at 5 o'clock. And I almost reached over and said, we're going to snooze it today. But I've been reading that discipline book. And I sat down and I thought, Lord, just 30 more minutes 
minutes. He said, you can do that. He said, but you've been seeking me for disciplines. And if you're going to be disciplined, you got to get up and you got to get in that prayer closet and you got to get in your word and you got to prepare because you are not going to see the disciplines come to fruition if you don't obey your own disciplines that you're seeking after. Amen. So he said, be disciplined. I know you're going to laugh at me. But the other day, the Lord told me, you know, you're 50 years old. About time you stop biting your fingernails. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Amen. Amen. I said, Lord, he said, I'll give you the power to do anything. That's a nervous tick. Well, I said, Lord, I'll stop. I mean, three minutes passed by. I was up there like, I thought, oh, disciplined. A couple times, but you know what? I keep reminding myself, and fingers don't belong in my mouth. Amen. That's a childish habit. Look, take it from somebody. I'm as guilty as you. I'm not beating you over the head saying you're going to hell because you bite your fingernails. But I'm telling you is that there's habits that are just not what God wants us to do. And he said, you're the one that wanted to stop. I placed it upon your heart. You decided to obey that. I'm going to give you the power to not do that. It's the most unbecoming thing. You see a grown man over there with his hand in his mouth. Amen. Amen. I'm just telling you, I'm just telling you, church today, the, the, the disciplines that we, if we'll obey the disciplines, if we're going to obey them, that's the only way we're going to become a disciple indeed. That's the only way we're going to become disciples. If we are to be spirit-led, we must obey His voice and promptings. And whatever we long to be, put obedience in front of it. It cannot be otherwise. Obedience is a law. Are you hearing me? It's a law. In God's spiritual economy, it's a law. Just like the law of sowing and reaping. Just like the law of gravity. Just like the law of density. There's all kinds of laws, spiritual laws and principles in the word of God. And we don't want to obey those laws. We don't want to, I'm talking about laws. I'm talking more than thou shalt not. I'm talking about a law that as you begin to obey God, he begins to release his powerful promise so you can walk in the victory that you're obeying God in. I heard some person the other day on YouTube and he, it was a young man, a young person and he's trying to say to the man that's trying to talk to him about God and he, he's trying to talk to him and he said, you know, it, there's laws, there's principles in the word and he said, you know, and he said, like the law of gravity, he said, well, gravity's not real. And I thought, why are we surprised when we live in a generation that has been sired up that does not even know the difference between male and female? You can say you're a a, a woman and have male parts. You're a man. You're a biological man. Well, that's not what they identify as. I don't care what they identify as. 
They are what they are. You can't. You, you, so he said, gravity is not real. And the man said, what? what? He said, prove it to me. I thought, oh, I'm so glad he didn't ask me. I said, come on, let's get up on the ladder. Let's go up on the second floor. Because believe me, I fell from a second floor on my head. I know gravity's real. I know it's a law. You can say it's not a law until you get out in space where, where physics changes and science changes everything and, and, and the law of density overrides that. There's just, there's just laws here upon this earth and gravity's real. I said, you will go kersplat on the floor. I know I cracked my skull in two places from falling off a ladder in this church. So I know the law of gravity is real. But to hear somebody say, explain that to me. If you can't explain it, then I can't believe it. Somebody said the other day, I cannot believe a book that man wrote. I said, wasn't every book written by a man? It's, it's, listen, how foolish, how truly foolish and ignorant of spiritual things, and until somebody comes to know Christ, they're not going to even get the basics. They believe whatever I believe and I say is a belief system is, is the way it is. Well, you can say that all day long. You can stick your head in the sand and say the sun isn't shining, and everybody else in the world sees that it is because it's a reality. Amen. It's a reality. It's a reality. But that's where we're at in this antichrist world and generation. They will eventually suffer the judgment of mocking God. But to the God-fearing, obedient to God's law and word, there's a blessing. That's what I'm speaking to you today. There's a blessing that comes when we obey God's word and obey God's law. And the greatest is the blessing of repentance. Obedience is the proof of repentance. It is the proof of repentance. How do you know that, Pastor? Because the Bible says in Deuteronomy, and this is what I base my life off of. I don't base it off of what I think or what nature tells me or anything else or what some other guru said to me in philosophy or psychology or, or some kind of other ology. Amen. This is what I believe right here. The Word of God is absolute. It's absolute the word of God. You say, I don't believe that. Well, I'm telling you whether you believe it or not. You can close your eyes, but the sun is still shining. It's an absolute fact and truth. Prophecy has been fulfilled time and time and time and time again. You can stand upon his word because it's proven time and time and time again. And so if it's the proven thing, if it's an absolute thing, then we must be people that obey what God's word says. And in Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 30, this is what he says. When thou art in tribulation and all these things are come upon thee even in the latter days if thou wilt turn to the Lord thy God and shall be obedient unto his voice for the Lord thy God is a merciful God and will not forsake thee neither destroy thee nor forget the covenant of thy fathers which he swear unto them he's a God who speaks to us and tells us if you will turn at my voice if you will obey what I say you can know this of a surety that God will begin to empower your obedient choice but also there will be an evidence of that on God's part and your part 
We only expect God to be accountable to his part, not us. Do you know what just gripes my goat is people that expect everybody else to be accountable except for themselves. That just gripes me and rubs me the wrong way. I'm like, you put everybody else on blessing. You hold everybody even to the word of God. I said, but you have never been accountable to the word of God one time in your life. Everybody else gets no grace, no pass, but you. I'm not accountable to nobody. I'm going to tell you that word. In his word, he said that he would bless. That's God's word. He, He gives promises and things that he will do. But on the other side of that, there's an expectation from you and I too. Listen, I'm getting ready to, I'm getting ready to share a great truth with you. In, in Deuteronomy, I'm sorry, in Isaiah 55, God took me back there. And he said in chapter, six, chapter 55, verse 6, he said, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. He said, let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return unto the Lord and he will have mercy upon him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. I love that scripture. I love both of those scriptures. He will abundantly pardon, which means he will freely pardon. He will generously pardon. He will bountifully pardon. He will be merciful and quick to forgive. He will Multiply his own pardon unto you. That's the God we serve. But he said in the word of God, he said, seek the Lord while he may be found. There are folks sitting here today and you need to not let one more service go by that you don't respond to the Lord. He's speaking to you and I. Think about blind Bartimaeus. If he had sat on the side of the highway and he said, you know what? I hear Jesus coming by, but not today, Lord. Not today. You may not have another day. You better call upon him while he may be found. You better call upon him while he's near. You better cry out to him like blind Bartimaeus did and said, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy upon me because you may not get another time where Jesus is passing by with such a powerful conviction and such a powerful presence. Don't waste or miss your opportunity. Call upon him while he may be found. If blind Bartimaeus hadn't done that, he'd have sat there. And who knows if Jesus would have ever passed by again. Well, I've got tomorrow. That's the biggest lie the devil ever told. You may not have tomorrow. People take their last breath and they never expect that they're going to take their last breath. The people around them don't expect that they're going to take their last breath. Yeah, there's people that are on a deathbed and it's months as they lay there in a deathbed and we know the clock is ticking and there's going to come a day. But what about those that are healthy? What about those that are young and vibrant with vitality? What about those that have no health problems? They're just living life. But then in a moment's time, you're gone because you're not promised your next breath. So you better call upon him while he may be found, while he's near. And he said, with that calling and response, 
Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return unto the Lord and he will have mercy upon him and abundantly pardon. Do you know, there are people, and, and this is to everybody, wherever you qualify, that there are people that have wicked ways about them. They have gone a wicked way. And we look at people and we go, my goodness, I wish they would just, just stop that. Look at the dark road they're going down. They're in a wicked way. They need to obey God. But let me tell you something. There are people that even sit in church that have thoughts that are unrighteous. Unrighteous thoughts. He said, let the person that's going the wicked way turn from that. But also let the person that has unrighteous thoughts turn from that too. And we have unrighteous thoughts that need to be repented of. Jealousies that need to be repented of. Jealousies. We need to repent of jealousy. Let me say it again. Jealousy in the house of God. Can you believe it? Yes. You know, let me tell you something. Peter went up to Jesus and he said, I heard what you said about me and how I'm going to die and how I'm going to die a martyr. But what about John? And Jesus said, ain't none of your business. Go and follow me. What is that to thee? There's things that are unrighteous thoughts, bitternesses, unforgivenesses, jealousies, offenses. And we let those things stay because nobody sees it. It doesn't look like a wicked way. I look good. But it's an unrighteous thought. It must be repented of. And he will give you the power as you obey, obey, obey. Oh, pastor, you love everybody. Uh Uh-uh. Let's just rip the cover off of it. You think people in this church haven't offended me? They have. Think they haven't done things to me? You think things haven't happened to me even this year? Come on. Let's be real. You know what I had to do? I had to go to my prayer closet and say, God, please remove this unrighteous thought. Because no matter what they did, whether it was intentional or not, I have to deal with me. I have to deal with this thought. Because if I let it fester, it's going to become a wicked way. (laughs) Get out of the alligator water. God's pardon is so huge. It's so abundant because we need it because it it will provoke us to activate an abundant obedience. You hear me? Listen, I'm getting ready to say something that the, 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 the first service went, wow, and I hope you do the same thing. But if you think about the love and the magnitude, the generosity of God's mercy and of his pardon, if you think about his love and how vast it is, you can't even wrap your head around how big it is and how powerful it is and how that he loves us. And it was so abundant. It was so, you know, generous. It was so plentiful. It was so free. It was so... I'm telling you, it's multiplied pardon upon pardon. It's so vast. And then we come over on our side and we don't give God not a fraction of the abundance of what He's given to us. So it's about time 
we start living a life that's worthy of the love that he gave to us. Oh, he will abundantly pardon. So repent obediently. Obediently. Oh, pastor. I live in that altar. Let me tell you something. Some people live in the altar, but they really don't repent. They're stirred, but they're not changed. You don't know my life. I'm telling you, the Holy Ghost does. I'm not trying to know your life. I'm just preaching what he told me because just remember this. I'm his preacher. If I don't do what God tells me to do, he'll bump me down the road. He'll say, I'll find somebody else. If you don't do it, I'll find somebody that will. But I brought you there to tell the truth and to preach in its potency. And the word of God can be polarizing. But listen, there's such an awesome blessing that comes with obedience and repentance. Real, true repentance. Not this half-hearted stuff, half in, half out, half repentive. No, you must repent. And we have to be thorough in that repentance. Because that kind of obedient repentance works deep repentance that is not something you regret or reverse from. In 2 Corinthians 7.10. 2 Corinthians Chapter 7, verse 10. Paul said, For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of. But the sorrow of the world worketh death. What he's saying is there is a repentance that is so deep And it's a godly sorrow. It's a sorrow. There's a worldly sorrow that is a sorrow because you got caught. But there is a godly sorrow that works repentance. Nobody knows nothing. Nobody knows your unrighteous thoughts. Only you and God. Unless you verbalize them. Then they become a wicked way. Come on. Oh, we all have it. But you come down and you say, God... And you pour out your heart in you with godly sorrow. Repent. There's something deep that God does. Deep. Worldly sorrow is just sorrow that I got caught or sorrow because I don't like the pain of it. Well, maybe that does blur the lines a little bit. I'll give you that. But I will say this. Because people that really truly want to repent are sick and tired of the consequences of what they're living in. I'll give you that. But there's some people that they're not very long and they forget the consequences and they go right back over like a dog to his vomit, like a pig to the, to the mire. Amen. I'm going to tell you, we need a deep-seated, a deep-rooted repentance. I, 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 I have problems with my tendons and muscles and it's just something, I don't know. I've had it for years. And, and, and I, I do everything I can do. I, I, I soak in a hot bath. 
I, I, I tried to exercise. I tried to stretch. I try everything you can imagine. I go and they, Sister Skiles would get that hammer and hit on my back, you know, and that, <laughs> I rub icy hot on there. I've tried everything, you know. I'll be okay. I got a certain pillow that holds my neck just right because my back hurts. It was just all these things. She signed me up for some guy. She said, he will help you. She said, he'll, he'll work all that out. I went in there for an hour, and it was torture. I felt like he had a little rake, and he was raking over my shoulder. I thought, what in the world is he doing? I about come up off that bed. I don't stop, please stop. I've had people that did deep tissue massage my whole life, and it's never been a pit of torture. I'm just, he said, it's going to help you. He kept going on, and he's. I said, "Do you have, do you have a pickaxe that you're hitting me with?" He said, "Sir, that's my fingers." I thought, "My goodness, what are they made of? Iron?" He'd go raking again. I thought, I come up off that bed. He said, "Sir, you're gonna have to lay down." Cause see, for years, been up there playing that guitar. That hand goes numb. You see me raising my hands. It ain't always to praise the Lord. Sometimes it's to get the blood flowing. But I'll praise him while I'm in the interim. But he kept on and kept on. Put his elbow down there. I said, uh, that, that went all the way to the back. I'm in pain. I'm almost in tears. And he's, I mean, he for an hour. An hour. I had pain up here for two or three days, just soreness, but it began to go away. And on this side, ain't no numbness. <laughs> he said, your tendons and your muscles there are like banjo strings. They're so tight. And he said, what do you do for a living? I said, you ever try pastoring? <laughs> I said, I play the guitar. He said, that's it. Been over like that for how many years? I said, oh, probably 25 or 26. He said, we're going to work that out. But we got to go deep. Re uh, repentance has to go deep for there to be a remedy. It, it can't be this, this top water, you know, repentance. It has to be deep, deep. Don't you worry about nobody else. Worry about you. Amen. Just keep your eyes on you, on Jesus, but keep your eyes on your life and what you're supposed to be doing. But getting back to this, the kind of obedience, obedient repentance that works deep repentance that is not something you regret or reverse from it is the kind that is godly sorrow. And he said in verse 11 of 2 Corinthians chapter 7, he said, for behold, this selfsame thing, what you sorrowed after, a godly sort, what carefulness it wrought in you, yea, what clearing of yourself, yea, what indignation, yea, what fear, yea, what vehement zeal, 
I'm sorry, what vehement desire, yea, what zeal, yea, what revenge and all things that you are proved yourself to be clear in this matter. He said, that kind of deep sorrow, godly sorrow, repentance, it does something in you. You stop and you think about how that whatever you were sinning or what you were doing that was in disobedience, how it wrecked your life. I don't ever want to go back to that again. Amen. That alcohol destroyed my life. I hate that. People say, why are you so vehement about alcohol? I said, I had a grandfather that died in an alcoholic accident, head-on collision. I hate alcohol because I see and know what it does to people's lives and families. That is one reason why. The other reason why is because the Bible's clear about it. But people get caught up in all of these things and there's a vehement desire against that. Amen. The couple whose marriage has been put back together, they look at, at someone that's, that's entertaining adultery and they say, that's a horrible thing. Almost destroyed our lives. That drug almost destroyed my life. It was bidding for that. And I hate it. I hate it. I hate what the devil's trying to do to people. That's why I'm vehement. I'm passionate. Because I know the answer. I know the hope. And it's in obedience and repentance. The kind of obedient repentance activates a powerful character in us. Jude exhorts building up yourselves on your most holy faith. Atheism. Atheism is an unholy faith, but it's faith. It's a belief that there is no God. And I'm going to tell you, you have to have some kind of a uh, 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 I don't even know what to describe it as, but a belief system that would actually believe that there is no God. I'm telling you, I heard a woman one time, they said, what do you think about atheism? She said, I don't have that kind of faith. But I got faith to believe in a God who has proven himself time and time and time and time again. She was being facetious, and I'm telling you today, Church, that atheism is an unholy faith. But when we come to Christ and we repent, there is a holy faith that is developed. And we need to be very careful because Jude exhorts us to build ourselves up on this most holy faith. And I know there is a deeper level of faith that carries us to a pure, more holy life and repentance that we do not turn back to it again. It is something God does. You know, I've always said, if you don't quit, God won't quit. I can tell you, because God doesn't quit, you don't quit. That's the real truth. Because God is constantly working to draw you and pull you. Because if it's you, then it's your work. But I'm telling you, when God begins to put His finger on something, and He says, if you will just obey me, amen, I will do the work. I will begin to set you free. I'll begin to bring a deep-seated repentance that will change your life. And you'll be the pure specimen that Jesus came to restore and conform unto His image. You'll be what you're supposed to be and not a hypocritical misrepresentation. I don't want to misrepresent God. I want to represent Him. I want to represent Him when I'm driving through the drive-thru and they get my order wrong. I don't want to scream in their face. I don't want to sit at the, at the table and scream at the waiter. Is anybody going to fill this up? We have servers in here. People are mean and rude. And sometimes you want to give them the tip back and say, I'd rather not serve you. $100 wouldn't be enough. 
Come on. We got some servers in here, ex-servers. In this, in this generation, people have no manners, no grace, no grace. Look, I'm telling you, I've done it myself. And God said, you can go and preach in that pulpit and act any way you want to. But what you are out there is everything. You need to be here, holy here and holy there and holy. Everywhere you are, you need to be the same. Jesus was never different. Amen. So if you don't love everybody in the building, start loving them. Because that's what we're supposed to do. Amen. Amen. You say, they're hard to love. You think you weren't hard to love? (laughs) Hello. (laughs) You think you and I weren't hard to love? (laughs) Jesus had to love us a lot. (laughs) Amen. He had to love us. He had to look over a lot of things. Amen. When we were knuckleheads and we were acting a fool out there in the world, even as a Christian, when we act dumb and we do things, He still loves us. Praise God. And so the body of Christ is supposed to too. But remember, we have this treasure in an earthen vessel. And unless we're operating with the Spirit of God moving in us, we're not going to act like Jesus. That's why you got to be full of the Holy Ghost. But Jude says there is a holy faith. The rich ruler had a faith. Amen? Amen. He came and he said, I've done this, 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 and this. I've been a good boy. I've been, I'm telling you, I have been faithful. And Jesus said, you're right. But if we're going to go to a holier, deeper, more righteous level, more obedient level, then it's this that you need to do. It may not qualify to you, but for him, he said, go sell all you got. You want to follow me? Go sell all you got. Take up your cross and follow me. (laughs) Come on. And he went, yeah, about that. I'm not ready to do that. I've seen people come down here in torment as they're fighting between obeying God and not obeying God. He wants me to come down here and forgive that person that did what they did to me. I don't want you to. God wants you to. And if you will truly obey with a godly sorrow, he will heal. He will, he will, he'll touch you, as Sister Stacy said at the breakthrough. Harrison, Sister Stacy Harrison, she said, and you will be okay and settled with the apology you never got. Say it again, Pastor. You will be satisfied and okay and happy with the apology that you never got. Amen. Maybe you weren't supposed to get it. Maybe you were supposed to get it. All I know is this, that God will settle your heart because the only thing that matters is that you and God are right. When I say right, I don't mean we're right. What I mean is we're good. And if you're good here, you'll be good here. Amen. Obedience, not a light subject, but a very weighty one. It brings repentance to a whole new level. It removes justification and of ourselves and the excuses that we make. 
if we'll be obedient. I have six more points of scriptures. The Lord's telling me, just take an off-ramp here. Let's put a caboose on it. I want to share something with you. Years ago, years ago, I had a falling out with my parents. And uh, I had a stepmother, I have a stepmother. And um, it was a real difficult falling out. And um, I began to pray because I had hard feelings. You know, I'd go to church and I would cry and I would worship. But I'd get back in that car and that thought would come back up. Oh, man. All the things I would tell God that she needed to do. Rehash the whole thing. Cameron was born. God was starting to reconcile my relationship with my dad. Five years had passed. And I remember Louis Canchola had given me this really unique door. And if you've ever seen a French door, a full French door is two 36-inch doors. But this was a 36-inch door as a French door. It was taken out of an antique house. And I had that door. And I was like, man, this is like the coolest thing I've ever seen in my life. I've never seen a single door that had two little doors. Glass. I said, I'm going to scrape that thing and paint it and put it in my house. And just, I had all these visions of grandeur. And my dad and my stepmom came to bring Cameron some clothes as a baby. He was about maybe two months old. <clears throat> maybe. And as I sat down with them sitting in my house, because I had begged God, please, heal this, make this right. And I said, whatever I have to do to make it right, I want to do it, Lord. I was sincere. And I'm sitting there, and I said, Lord, you tell me when it's time. Whatever, I'll speak up and say, forgive me, or whatever. And here we're sitting talking. And I mean, it was like, a voice from heaven almost. God said, you know that door you got outside in the garage? I said, yes. He said, give it to her. I thought, Lord, I ain't never seen nothing like that before. And so I said, I'll do it. 
And I said, Joni, I want to show you something. Took her out there. And I said, I got this door. And I said, I know how you like antiques. And you guys just bought that big house out there at Mission Inn. And, and um, I want to give you this door. And she looked at that door. She goes, John, I've never seen anything like that. I said, me either. <laughs> and I said, um, I want you to have it. That's repentance. Because I obeyed what God told me to do. And he said, your obedience needs to have if you will, some substance to it. It needs to have some evidence. Okay? It's not just words. She said, I, I can't believe you're giving me this door. God said, be careful. I said, you know what? I want you to have it. I knew that you would love it. And I loaded up that door watch them drive off. But that day, God said, I opened up a door for you to walk through to the other side of a place of victory that you would have never had otherwise. Church, if we'll just obey God. Amen. Today, you're sitting here and God has been dealing with you maybe months, maybe years. To come to the altar, make things right with God. And I just want to say how to somebody today, how much longer do you have to live in the torment and the, uh, and the unhappiness and, and, and living beneath the joy and the happiness of what you could have in God? How much longer? You know, obey him. Heed his voice. There's a blessing that will come. There's a blessing that will come. If we'll obey him. Father, today, I thank you. I thank you for that day, Lord, that you spoke to my heart. And Lord, I'm grateful for not only the obedience unto you, but what it released, what it activated, what it did in my life, Lord. I'm just so thankful for you. And Lord, that you brought me to the other side of an experience in you. And this morning, I'm just believing you, God, to draw by your spirit each and every person in this place, God that you will draw them, that you will do a work in us. And God, you'll minister to our hearts. You'll minister to our lives, Lord, today.